Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello, hello, and welcome to the Indie Football Podcast. I'm Ed Malian, uh, sports editor of The Independent, and here to review, well, I mean, it's, the Premier League season isn't over, but we do have some champions, Manchester City, uh, won the Premier League uh, on their sofas the other night when West Brom beat Manchester United. So I guess we better talk about that. And who better to talk about that with than two of my nearest and dearest. I've got to my right, sports news editor of The Independent. Uh, that'll be Ben Burrows. Hello, Ben. Good afternoon. And uh, Miguel. Yep. Miguel Delaney, chief of The Independent. How are you? Good, good. Here for the second time. Yes. Uh, I mean, peek behind the curtain. <coughs> we recorded the podcast earlier on and uh, one of the units failed and uh, wiped the entire thing. Which is a bit like Manchester United yesterday. <coughs> Very good. Um, um, so, yeah, so this is the second time around. So if we sound like we are less enthusiastic, <laughs> uh, if the, the thoughts don't sound quite as original, that's because they aren't. Uh, and I guess we, we're going to have to start with Manchester City. Last time around, we started with Southampton. Um, this time it's City. Yeah. Uh, Miguel, I've now read your piece, which I hadn't read this morning, um, <laughs> and I'm, I, I should, I should say, uh, Jack Pitbrook and Miguel have both written fine deconstructions of Manchester City's season, which are available now on independent.co.uk/sport. Uh, in which Miguel says, "Over to you." Um, yeah, it's not just. I mean, obviously, people are. Well, I suppose analysis of City's season kind of feels like it's fallen into two schools. Basically, one on one side, the majesty of Pep's coaching, and the other side the kind of overwhelming focus on the money. And really, I mean, it's, it's a case of both. I mean, you can't get away from the money to what, to what put City what they are, what has allowed them to do what other teams can't in the transfer market and kind of just, you know, replenish that team that didn't need replenishing so quickly and so dramatically. But ultimately, it doesn't mean it isn't an achievement because, I mean, you only have to look at the number of records are going to break. And the key really is, right, fair enough, Guardiola has money, but he's absolutely maximised that money. And not only that, I think, say if you go back to when uh, Abramovich first bought Chelsea, and it's, it, I suppose it happens anytime anyone spends that kind of money, there's always going to be, especially if they have maybe someone considered a more conservative manager, and thought, well, if you have the money, you may as well indulge the football. You, you, you may as well like, essentially buy dazzling football, buy entertainment. And that is exactly what Guardiola has done. It's some of the best, whatever about them being the best Premier League team ever, it's they they played some of the best football I've ever seen, uh, as we see with so many of those kind of five-a-side style goals. But it's not that easy, though, is it? You, you know, having loads of money doesn't necessarily well, yeah, mean precisely. success. You've got you've still got to buy the right players, and at risk of making of saying the same thing that most people say, you, you can look across the city and the fact that United have broadly speaking spent about the same amount of money, and they're certainly spending the same amount of money mm. on wages. Yet their recruitment has been nowhere near as good. I think you look at. City and they've basically hit on nearly every one of these signings. So it's easy to go and say, oh, well, they spent 150 million on two, three fullbacks. But yeah. you still have to go and buy well, the right ones. There's actually an interesting discussion there as well because, I mean, for about four years, I mean, if you, if you look when Guardiola first came in, the City team that got to the Champions League semi final 
was pretty under Pellegrini was pretty much the same team, the same core that won the 2012 title, and so that, and that kind of spoke to actually their failure in recruitment for about four yeah, years. The reason like, they had to spend yeah. like fifty million on three fullbacks is because they yeah. let, they haven't well, they only bought one in the last five years. Yeah. yeah. So, but now basically because they switched to find the idea with Guardiola, and he knew exactly what he wanted. They kind of went there and it was just bang, bang, bang. They got, I mean, who of the signings hasn't been a success bar? Maybe Nolito? Yeah, perhaps, yeah. Nolito. I mean, even Danilo was sort of one of the. Claudio Bravo. Claudio Bravo, of course. Danilo. He's sort of a bit. Danilo, I think, was. He's done a job, but no more. Still, for me, probably one of the worst signings of the reign, purely because I don't think he's that good a player. I think if you've watched enough of him, you know he's not that good a player, but. He'll work better in a Guardiola team well, because he's less exposed. I'll tell you one thing about that recruitment as well, and what is ominous for the Premier League, especially this era where no one has de- has defended the title since 2009. That attack in particular is so young. Yeah. About, I mean, I def- I'm sorry, the, the kind of future attack. Sané, Sterling, uh, like Gabby, Gabby, age, yeah. even De Bruyne. What is he? 26. He's not, yeah, he's not yeah. quite in his prime yet for his position. No, they're, they're a, an elite attacking unit, and, and my thing with City is. Uh, yeah, they spent a lot of money. I get that. They also, uh, you know, you, you could bring in the politics side of it, the geopolitics, and, and your piece on that when was it two months ago? We it probably was did that. March, yeah. um, football is infected by hmm. these outside influences now. Uh, I think you know, there's virtually no club who aren't doing something that some w- would offend someone's moral sensibilities, you know, mm-hmm. if you think Man United shouldn't be based in the Cayman Islands or whatever. But you look at this team play football, you just watch them play football and you know football, yeah. you can see that this is very different to anything we've ever seen from a Premier League team. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it's up there with, with early Wenger Arsenal in terms of changing the game yeah. and changing the perceptions of it. And I think uh, Guardiola has had criticism before because he's only ever worked with elite players. Um, he wouldn't necessarily do as well if he went to Peterborough or somewhere like that. But but like, why should he have to? You know, He's yeah. had immense success. And I think of any coach in the world, he, he elevates players, but he needs high-level technical players uh, to do what he wants. I, I, I do think he would go do well in Peterborough. And he, w- <laughs> he would, <laughs> no, no doubt. Because he's a very good coach, yeah, a natural yeah. coach well, of I, players. I think actually, it's say Mourinho, to, to get the guy supposed to go down the classic uh, duopoly, if Mourinho went somewhere like Peterborough, he'd immediately have a more positive effect just because the way he plays. It would immediately get better results. But I think in the medium to long term, Guardiola would do just as well because we players... Well, yeah, as has yeah. been discussed before, earlier in the same podcast. But, <laughs> yeah. but the podcast re- that will never see the light of day. There's mm. a reason why, Guardi- why checkbook managers get the jobs with the most money to spend is yeah. because they're the best at managing. Yeah. So it's like it's a self-fulfilling prophecy. Yeah. So Guardiola spent a lot of money, and he's, but that's because he's had the jobs where you get the most money. You, you, you only drop down if you fail. Precisely. But Guardiola is, I think, the guy with the highest ceiling. Like he can yeah. take a team when when he has all the players he wants and everything the way he wants it, which is how City have made it. You know, City mm. have given him virtually everything he's asked for. He can elevate a team to a much higher point, I think, than probably any other manager on the planet. Yeah, yeah. I completely agree. Um, who, would, who would you have up kind of second and third in that, globally? I think uh, you see what Conte did yeah. last season. I think he, what he got... He can, yeah. What he I sort of got given, what we've, we've talked about before, mm. Miguel wrote about it like, earlier last season, what he got, basically, as soon as that August window shut, he was like, mm. OK, this is what I've got. And then it was a tactical switch to three because that was yeah. what he was left with. 
he's very good at adapting to whatever resources he gets given and the success he's had mm. has been I mean he's a bit like Mourinho and it's very short term as has been proven and imagine if you put Conte in a situation where he got everything he wanted this is it, yeah. all the players yeah, yeah. he wanted I, I, it's something he's complained about actually as well doesn't he so every, every time yeah. he seems to go to a job it does always these restrictions because you ended up like he started spending properly like on Higwain yeah. pretty yeah, much yeah. the minute he left yeah. right but they you know obviously it's been one of the biggest issues at Chelsea is that he hasn't Hmm. Got the players he wants, so you know he has virtually no say in that, or, or or less say than than he wants certainly. So it's almost a loss to the Premier League, I think, that, that Conte goes without and without us knowing what his kind of ceiling could be. Yeah. Um, but I think he's he remains a very good manager, and, I think, and I'd have him in that conversation. I think um, Klopp, we've seen what he can do. Um, yeah, I think you could say definitely say Liverpool. They've similar to City. I can't remember the last bad player they bought really. They've, they've got a defined plan of what he wants and the players yeah. he needs for different positions. Mm. He needed the left-footed centre-back who can pass the ball and they went and spent the what he needed to take to get it. Yep. They need the drive in midfield eight and that's why they're going for Cater. They need a left-back and get up and down. Yeah. And, and having previously been criticised for that, now you have to kind of be a cop's patience for that. For Precisely. So signings I think, yeah, they, I cut, yeah they, they've hit on all their last few signings over the last mm. two, three, four windows. It's got to keep hitting that defence. They've got to keep getting centre-backs in. Um, I think there's a potential for someone like Tuchel at PSG to do really well mm. because he has that obsessive, uh, detail-orientated approach to coaching that reminds me of Guardiola, where he's yeah. obsessed with the tiny minutiae, the tiny details. That he also feels like giving what difference. he wants, right? Because much like City, there is no object. So there's, there's Patrick, I suppose. Pochettino's in this argument as well. Oh, for, but, sure, for sure. There's yeah. an interesting argument in that sense, actually, in terms of management and being given what they want. So I suppose it's a whole kind of um, you know, theory about some sort of tension-producing brilliance. But, but sometimes if managers are completely indulged, it means they don't think as creatively about their problems. So it isn't necessarily the best thing for their idea. Well, you could hardly, you could hardly argue that Mourinho hasn't got what he wants, quote-unquote, mm. because maybe he hasn't got the exact players, Perisic, for example. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But broadly speaking, they've given him whatever he wanted, and they're going to finish... 15, 16, 17 points mm. behind. So, yeah, I think that's right. It's not necessarily that, oh, just free reign makes, makes you a good manager. Yeah. You've got to earn that. Yeah, and, and, and fundamentally, you know, one of Guardiola's things is he works phenomenally hard because he's, he's very, you know, as you say, an obsessive. Mm -hmm. um, he's putting so many hours in, into that team and, and you, you can see the visible results of the coaching. Yeah. You know, the way that they move. Players like Kyle Walker, players like Fabian Delph, who you wouldn't have thought we're necessarily capable of doing some of the yeah. things that we've seen. So um, it has been a victory for for coaching yeah. as well as, yeah, I'm sure people will remind you it's all the money they've spent and it's uh, the sports entertainment arm of Abu Dhabi and whatever. Mm -hmm. But this is fundamentally a victory for good coaching yeah. of football players. And an idea and sticking to an idea. Given this is, a, this is when they're going through that awful patch around February 2017, he was and insisting he, what, the, what, to his, his tackles period. Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. He was still insisting that his players don't listen to the criticism. Don't, you know, we're not going to change. Keep doing. We're only going to double down on what we do. And that's uh, Jack's piece, isn't it? It's about that's the awesome. idea. People saying that he would have to change for English football, and instead he changed English football. Uh, and the idea that you know you stick with something and, and you continue with it uh, is going to provide a seamless segue to talk about Southampton's relegation <laughs> because uh, I was reading in a very good piece that Jonathan Liu wrote uh, for us about Southampton, uh, about how everything's fine until it's not uh, and their relegation. And Charlie Austin in that said, um, 
you know, we're a good team. We just need to keep playing our, our game and we'll get out of this, we'll get out of this. And then suddenly you turn around and you realise you're not out of it. And in fact, looking at it now, Ben, they're, they're done. Doesn't, it doesn't look it doesn't look very good for me. So at one point on Saturday, it looked like they really were going to climb out of it. And before Palace had played Brighton, before Swansea mm. had got a point, two 0 up against Chelsea. Yeah, it, really, it did look like they were might going to get sort of get to fr- get some fruition really from what Hughes has clearly done something right in the last couple of games. Yeah, they yeah. they do look a lot better, and he worked very hard against Arsenal for no reward. And then yeah, in thirteen or fourteen minutes or so on Saturday, it's all changed and. Yeah, it sort of, in a weird way, encapsulates their season. And they didn't see it coming. And a, a, a bit of sympathy for Southampton and Stoke in that regard. Well, not sympathy, maybe, but in terms of, well, maybe their managers. And that you can, as you say, you can see the effect of something working. It's just that maybe in terms of fixtures, like Stoke's another example. They played so well against Arsenal, only to kind of lose the game the way they did. I think I think they're quite similar in the fact that I think both clubs are going to end up paying for waiting too long. So yeah, in Stoke's yeah. case, yeah. they, I mean, Lambert was almost twentieth, twenty-fifth choice or whatever it was in the end. And mm. with you speak to people at Southampton, and they say that the fans could see it in December. They could see that Pellegrino had got enough rope, yeah. 10, 12 games, 15 games, and they were like, it's not going to work. And instead of pulling the trigger then, they've waited and waited and waited, mm. got no better. Well, they they, they definitely wanted Pellegrino to succeed because he was the big, splashy hire last year. Um, do you, what, do you, what do you think, Miguel, in the fact that they were, yeah, I know this isn't everything, but like in the expected goals table, for example, Southampton mm. were, were like ninth, Johnny says in his, in his piece. So using kind of these uh, objective analytical mm. metrics and stuff, you're looking at it and Southampton haven't been one of the worst teams in the league. They just basically had a bit of bad luck and, and some bad finishing. So when Charlie Austin said that they were all, they've been going along saying that we can turn this round, mm. like just carry on doing what we do, carry on doing what we do, carry on doing what we do. Do you think that's the right way to play it? Or, or sometimes you think you need to make big changes to, just to stimulate some sort of a spark? But, but I, think, I think they have had that spark. I think they have just been unlucky. You think Hughes has been the spark? Yeah, yeah. Like, I, and that's, that's, they've played really well now and in two big games and lost both narrowly. And to lose the kind of top six opposition isn't really... Can't criticise them too much, just the kind of the, the state of the season they're at. But they wouldn't have offered those two performances under Pellegrino. So I think they're quite again, and it just speaks to why they should have made the change earlier. Yes, and really. I mean, I think there has been a little bit of complacency about maybe Sam's entire plan, or maybe they stagnated a bit. Uh, and, and it is an indictment, I think, to the fact that no, no matter what the problems that plan. Southampton shouldn't be finishing below clubs like Huddersfield, no. like Newcastle, given what's I mean, everything like going on there. Plan, it's like they were the model of yeah. consistency and they were held up as, this is how you run a Premier League club. You, at a certain level, yeah, they're the shop window team, for want of a better word. Mm-hmm. And you build it by getting getting players in mm. cheaper and then selling to Liverpool. Uh, yeah. We have to Like Johnny mentioned, you could almost put together an, an all-star 11 of players they've lost. But like we said, it's... As soon as that recruitment takes even one misstep, so you mm. look at the Guido Carrillo in in, yeah. in January, mm. he was meant to be the guy to save him, and Gabriadini before that, and um, Buffal before that, and it's like a couple of sort of fairly sizable transfer fees. As soon as you miss on a couple of those in a row, then you leave yourself open, and it's sort of mm. it's from a wider point of view, you look at the Premier League and the fact that they're going to lose, I think it's five on the spin now, and they're bottom three, and it looks like it's done. The flip side is Newcastle have won, say, four in a row, or there or thereabouts, and they're going to finish maybe top ten. And it shows the sort of frigidity of the Premier League at the moment, where only a tiny little run of results or momentum goes the wrong way, or you get a decision going the mm. wrong way. 
and it could all change like that, really, which is really interesting. Well, at Southampton, uh, you're right about the, you know, Sadio Mane and Virgil van Dijk and all these players they've got great money for and they've sold on and stuff, but you're basically backing your recruitment to always be perfect, consistently perfect, because you have to replace them with guys who can step up and, and fundamentally like Sofiane Bouffal was a club record signing, right? Mm. He's flashed, he's flashed, he's looked good sometimes when you see him, but has he? how many games has he won for them and how many points has he actually won them? I, I don't think he's really adding a huge amount to the, to the team. Are they going to be able to keep players like Gabbiadini? Are they going to be able to keep players like, I mean, how many of these do you want to keep in the championship? You have to approach things differently in the championship and, and there's another test for their new Chinese owners and Will the owners remain interested? Because all the foreign owners come in because the Premier League mm. is basically a guaranteed cash cow, and lots of people would look at Southampton and say, "Well, they're they, they're too good to go down." You know, you know, and what we've learned this year is, I think you can add Everton to the list because they seem to try their hardest to get relegated and, and mm. couldn't. But outside the top six, yeah, plus Everton, is there anyone who's too good? Anyone who's too too? Solid, do you think? Well, like we mentioned, Newcastle. It's like that's a. They might end up finishing ninth, eighth, and that is a Championship squad. Rafa's done a ridiculously good job there. But but they shouldn't get carried away because there's no. only three points difference or so between like finishing eighth and well, that's yeah. sixteenth in the Premier League this season. There is a lot of mush that that um, bottom group. Uh, you can't even call it the bottom half because it's about eleven or twelve teams. Um, well, yeah, there's going to be teams that finish on thirty-five points and stay up, which would be unheard of five years ago and obviously that's a function of one all dominating or conquering team at the top taking points of everyone literally and, and it's interesting to see how they've done it as well because teams like Huddersfield like you wouldn't say there's any particular standout player it's just been a collective effort well I believe I can't I haven't got the stats to hand but I think the squad only scored 26 goals all season which is ridiculous not, not enough really, which is ridiculous and, they, and they're going to stay up and it looks like relatively comfortably you'd say uh, and then I think Palace, you, you can look at Roy Hodgson as, as the catalyst, but actually I, I do think basically Wilfred Zaha on his own has kept that team up because he's one of the best match winners in the Premier League. He's just an absolute stand-up he's, performer. He's the player that they bought Benteke to be, I suppose. Yeah, well, and, and, and the best thing with Zaha is that Palace have had that where he's gone to Man United and it didn't work out for him. So he, he might want to make that move again one day. I'm sure he wants to play in the Champions League again one day. But... He's got a long, long, long-term contract. So when Spurs or whoever come calling, it's going to be difficult. And if that deal ever happened, which I don't really think it will, I mean, I'm sure they'll try uh, Spurs, but Palace's asking price is going to be massive because this is the guy that has completely turned them around. And he wins points all the time um, in a league where, you know, and they've thrown away a lot of points this season. But it's in a, in a league where if you've got a player like that, you have to hold on to them because it's, this is what I said about Southampton. They, you know, Sadio Mane for them was was an immense. Well, yeah, if you take yeah. if you have much of the debate right now is the the player of the year and who's it going to be between De Bruyne and Salah? I'd personally go for De Bruyne. Yeah, for various reasons. But if you looked at it, from an, De Bruyne as well. Yeah, apart yeah. from the FWA. <laughs> yes. If you look at it from like a an American sport point of view, where it's a MVP, so most valuable player, you take like literally, then there aren't the a few more 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 valuable players there individual team than Zaha has been for Palace. Yeah, I can't think of. I can't think of many. I think probably, I mean, Salah to Liverpool. But they've, they've got other guys they could plug into that position who would score the goals. When Zaha has been out of the team, Palace have lost every game. Yeah, so you look at so, I mean, Burnley are one of the stories of the season and Dyche 
would get my vote for manager this season. Yeah, but that's definitely a more of a collective effort. They've not had one guy dragging them out or they've not had, like Ben Mee's been outstanding and James Tartakowski been outstanding. Nick Pope's made, I think it's only saved more points than only, only De Gea, I believe. Is that right? But, so he's had a, and considering he's their number two goalkeeper, but it's not been down to just one of them. It's definitely been a collective effort. But I think Zaha has almost single-handedly ended up yeah, yeah, yeah. keeping Palace up. Well, the Bruyne thing as well, I mean, the form that Salah's in now, he was in that form in between September and December, and that's when the league was won. Like, so that kind of can't be just... And I think had it been reversed and City had come to this form, kind of say, February to April, and De Bruyne was doing that now... There'd be absolutely no doubt about it. But there's also this thing, right, where it sets expectations. Mm. Because if you just watch De Bruyne, some of the stuff he does is, is That's true, actually, yeah, yeah. It's like he picks up the ball outside of the boot, wrong foot, mm. just like tosses it 40 yards across the field, perfect to Sané's feet or to into Sterling's mm. path, whatever. And it's just less of a surprise now. But mm. some <laughs> of the stuff we've seen from him this season, he is legitimately one of the best Premier League players I've ever seen. Mm. It's a phrase that gets tossed around, but he runs the game completely and controls it everything that Manchester City do well every single week goes through him and David Silva will go down as the best ever City player but De Bruyne has been on another level this season yeah and, and, and I mean obviously it's a combination of Guardiola but also just the fact that he is this immensely talented guy he's the he, you know he's the immensely talented guy that Chelsea discovered from Genk and, and he didn't work out there but with the right coaching and with the time to mature, he's just become this very, very special player. Yeah, it's interesting. It's something Miguel's discussed before, in that how players, where in their career arc, they get the right manager for them. And you look at De Bruyne, has certainly found Guardiola at the perfect time in his career. And you look at Salah, he's found Klopp at the perfect time in his career. Mm. Because, I mean, Monchi must be kicking himself every day for selling... At that Salah price, for 34 million with one of his first acts as sporting director in Rome. I mean, not that they ever could have foreseen. Uh, well, no, no one did. I think. For, 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 I mean, and, and it's worth saying that Salah, the first real season in the Premier League, to hit the ground running like this is, is quite something. And it's also that kick on from sort of Christmas maybe, where even before he'd scored goals, but he was it wasn't lethal and he wasn't ruthless or clinical. Before Christmas, he was still missing chances. He was just getting a lot. Whereas since then, it just seems like he doesn't miss. And yeah. he's going to break all the records because of that. And he's, and he's a player who had a problem with finishing as well, you know, like that Real Madrid-Roma Champions yeah. League tie a couple of years ago where both legs, he, he missed four, five, six chances that Difference in the game. he flipped that tie. I mean, they wouldn't have won the Champions League that year because Roma were so dangerous. They carved them, they carved them every time between that little gap, Sergio Ramos and, and Marcelo. And he was running through it, and he's so fast, he was obviously just way mm. beyond them. But every time it was, the pass was astray or the finishing wasn't good, and, and it's so instinctive now. Like the, the, the finishes, now, he's mm. obviously playing with immense confidence, yeah. which, which helps. But the stuff he's doing is, is clinical, yeah, yeah. instinctive. Well, I mean, as recently as October, we were discussing how he still, he almost sums up Liverpool because he's, he's, he's so good and yet he's so wasteful as well. Because he, he was still missing a lot of chances. Yeah. What, what was it? Was the game against Newcastle when he went through? And kind of admit, like, I think so. Do, yeah. do we, and it was loads of these kind of weirdly um, under hit finishes from him. It was as if he, he hadn't learned how to strike a ball properly. Well, he's like, he ran into a space mm. and then thought about what I need to do with it. Yeah. And it's sort of like his, his, his brain caught up with mm. his legs, kind of thing. And, yeah. then, and then the chance was gone. But in such a short amount of time, he seems to have like solved that problem. Yeah. And now he's just, yeah, he doesn't miss. Do we think it's sustainable, though, actually, Salah? Salah? No. Uh, 
I mean, you, 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 difficult, you, difficult. You, I mean, you can't, can you? You can't score mm. 40, 45 goals a season. Only two players in the world do. But no, yeah, not even Suarez could maintain, actually. No. You know, uh, yeah, that's a good example because Luis Suarez did elevate himself to that mm. sort of level where it was like, wow, this is elite, elite finishing. And it lasted for mm. a maximum of about two and a half years. Well, the only thing with Suarez, though, I suppose, he... Peak, peak. He was kind of the, the main player at Liverpool, then he immediately went to Barca, having had that season, up to become kind of like, a, it's a different role, especially with Messi there. So well, I was watching him recently, he's really lost that tiny just that half edge. step. Yeah. It, because it yeah. used to be just lightning kind of off the, off, off, off the mark, yeah. I guess. He was and just a poacher, wasn't he? I yeah. love the song, so many of his Over goals. that first half yard, yeah. And, yeah. and he's lost that. And I... Do wonder if Barca realise that, or if it's mm. one of those things. It, because it, you know they're so invested with him, and he's so close with Messi and all that. Yeah, sort of yeah. stuff. It, it can be a thing where like this kind of it gets let to linger. Um, but that's probably a discussion for another time. Mm. Millions of people have lost weight with personalised plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost fifty pounds. Salads generally, for most people, are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hmm. Um, anything else left to say on City? They're, they're very good. Um, as to whether actually their place in the pantheon... Place among the greats, yeah. You said, well, we, we tried to get you to... to <laughs> insert, for, for the 25th anniversary of the Premier League, you ranked all the Premier yeah. League champions, and you don't want to put City in a, a, no, a spot I, yet because you want to see if they break some records. Well, first of all, I think I wouldn't have them on the top two or three, say... Or top two, maybe, because I think you need to win a Champions League to go with it. Because, because I mean, as much as it's supposed to be the Premier League, actually, like you can't, you can't just divorce the season of Champions League. It, right. it impacts everything. So for, so for teams to win the league and win the Champions League is a reflection of their, it's, of their brilliance. It's really interesting. I think the one team that City, this City, get compared to is naturally the Invincibles. Oh, that's yeah. And that season. The Invincibles got knocked out of Europe by yeah. a team in their own league, who by definition weren't as good as them. From very close, yeah. Mm-hmm. From very close, and it's happened. It's very, very bizarre yeah. that it's happened twice, I, I, and, it will, and it will colour the legacy of this team, rightly or wrongly. Well, will, uh, you can't it, help it, that. It, if they've been knocked it, out by, say, Real Madrid, it wouldn't be the same. Well, they've still got two years to probably to win yeah. it with Pep, right? Yeah. Assuming he does the, sign a, an extension, which we, which we think he will. So. If they break the 100 record, 100 points barrier, in fact, if they break the Premier League so points 90, record... The 95 points, I think, is fairly key. I, I think they're better than the Invincibles. Because... You think they are? Yeah, just, just about. I think you put them on the same pitch, City would walk it. Really? Yeah, I just think because that intensity wasn't... That is a different game. It really is a different game. Yeah. And that Arsenal team wouldn't have the ball. So it's like yeah. they, they can't do it. You can, it doesn't matter how good Henri and Vieira and whoever are, if they don't have the ball. They'd obviously be vulnerable to Bergkamp, etc. on the break, but... 
De Bruyne, you'd think, would find a fairly large hole in between in a 4-4-2 midfield. I mean... It's just different. It's a different game, isn't it? I would love to see it. I mean, obviously, it's a, literally a physical impossibility. But I, I do, because I do think that this City team, they just play a different football. Like it's, it's special compared to what we've seen go before. But that's how Arsenal, I felt Arsenal were at the time. You know, they stroked it around in a way. And it was like the little interplay, like Pires and people like that. You know, Pires was a, was a wonderful player. But then he's, he's from an era where like that kind of football he sort of comes in and out of games mm. that you're seeing less and less of that now like if, it, if you had to choose between Sane and him it's, 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 it's so it's, Henri it's, though I think Henri Henri was better than any forward that City currently have yeah yeah for sure yeah. I mean like, he's pretty he's, he's top three he was league, was he, even in games they weren't that good you know just okay all you need is just someone just threads a ball and Henri he doesn't miss yeah turns two guys inside out and then curls yeah. it in uh, and they just produce something from nothing. He is. Uh, I guess. I mean. I think Sane could be that. I mean, he had. I, I've been a huge fan of Sane this season, uh, apart from that dreadful first leg he had in the in the Champions League yeah. quarterfinal. But this is a. I don't know. I say it is. I for me, it's a different ball game, and I'm really interested to see what he does next season because people have got a, mo- a lot more kind of experience of this City team now. They, they've seen it more. They're going to be different people trying different things to try and work them out. There's going to be probably more of a focus on the Champions League next season, you'd say. And other teams are going to tool up. They're going to they're going to buy players, almost in the same way that like in the NFL you have to kind of uh, build your roster to win the division. Teams are going to have to strengthen. City, they're going to have to city with, proof their team. Yeah, they're going to have to city proof their team. They have to think of ways. How can we get at City? You look at that and like, where's I mean, I the weak link? I guess the flip of that is what Pep and. Ferran Soriano and Chiqui Bogostan are going to do to try and kick on again because they've got plans still. They bought the centre-back six months early, which was one of the three they wanted, and they want the six, the controller, to take over from... Yeah, uh, uh, so take that was going to be uh, Fridge. It was going to be Fridge. What do you think? Uh, do you think Fridge still on, on the cards, Miguel? Sorry. Get off your phone. Uh, Fred <laughs> from Shetland. Hey, I've heard more, it'll be more likely Julian Weigel. Have I pronounced that correctly? Weigel. Weigel, yeah. Well, that would be, so that would be of, disgusting if that happened. So it? it's more of a uh, well, uh, it's, it's more of a passer yeah. than a destroyer, yeah, and then they want the attacking winger, mm. which was Mares potentially. Another one. They want another one. Well, yeah, they wanted they Sanchez, didn't they? And they didn't get him. So, so, and so someone they can probably play up front as play well. Play through the middle. So yeah, they wanted someone like. So I don't know who that would be. But he, he, actually, one thing that came up during the Spurs game and has come up actually again in the last week, and it, it seemed like an issue that had gone for most of the season. I remember, remember it for in Pep's first season. Like they, they, some games are creating bookload of chances to say the two all to Spurs, some of those, and they, they just weren't scoring enough, and it kind of left that kind of frustrated sense. But and that seemed to pass, whereas it slightly came back in the last week. And you do wonder sometimes whether, you know, even in the fact he's prioritising a kind of a, a wide four player like that, it's some, he's, he's going for just kind of these all round attackers, and they could do it a bit more pure finishing instinct. It's what, it's what Aguero yeah. was maybe 18 yeah. months ago. and if you, I mean, it, it's probably been harsh on him. He's still a great player. He scored four against Leicester, so he still knows where the goal is. But maybe he's not perhaps the player he was 18 months ago when it was the ball drops and it's, it's in, like Suarez was mm. for that little period. They maybe do like that proper number nine, but then Jesus could turn into that. I, do, I do like Gabriel Jesus, but I think he is incredibly talented. But again, he, he had a stinker in that Champions League game as well. And, 
But like you said earlier, they're all at the right age. So he, he would mm. go back to comparing to the Invincibles. That Invincibles team was in their peak. Yeah. So like the likes of Vieira and Campbell and Henri and Pires and Jungberg, they were there at the absolute peak of their powers, 27 or 28. This City team's five years behind that. And oh. So you did, in theory, if they keep it all together with Guardiola at the helm, they can only get better. They'll have, have Mendy back as well. He's, he's very good. John Stones, what's the situation there, Mix? I, there, are, there are a few rumours going around that he's on the market for the summer and that Guardiola he disappeared from the team Guardiola hasn't had full faith in him since the 4-3 to Liverpool in January mm. uh, and it, well, if, if that is the case well, I, I should clarify we haven't got it's, it's a rumour doing the rounds haven't got kind of proper confirmation yeah it's a thing we've heard but not like yeah. it's not solid it's, yeah yeah exactly yeah, yeah. Um, but I mean this is a player that I mean I remember being a hearing in December that he was one of the players that Guardiola prioritised for this, the transformation team, and even uh, and that, that point about how he insisted the team always pass regardless of the criticism. I, I, Stones is one of the ones he focused on most for that. He, um, he, he like he, he, he insisted to Stones, no matter what you hear, no matter what the criticism, never boot the ball or play, always pass it. So given how fundamentally was it, and how fundamentally was to the how start much time of the season, you put into him. Yeah, exa- well. exactly. Yeah, I, I, I ran that by someone recently, and, that, and they said. That they thought uh, it basically sometimes Pep has like he when he puts a lot of faith in players and they let him down, mm. he gets he, he's so personally hurt by it, you know, and, and that's the word yeah. he used hurt, hurt. And uh, but it's the sort of thing that like over the summer, you know, like with a lot of work on the training round and stuff, he'll get over it and he'll be back in the mix. Um, but it does explain you know the absence mm. of Stones recently and. Assuming they don't need to get another centre back or or any defender, I think if if Mendy is done, Edison. I mean the midfield looks good. They bring in Vigo. Uh, any forward would love to play in that team. You've got to like, you've got to think uh, someone like uh, Zaha, or if you want a pure finisher, uh, Lewandowski is going to be on the market. I think that would be an interesting move. It's just worrying because if they get much better, then. There's almost the expectation that they should win the Champions League rather than just, well, this team is, is the favourites for it. And I think even if you look now at the odds for next season's Champions League, they're going to be the favourites, um, even if Real Madrid win, win three back-to-back. Um, Southampton, we did talk about for a long time earlier on. I don't know if I can reproduce the entire bottom-half conversation that we continued with. Uh, is there anything else you'd like to say? Manchester United were bad on Sunday. Manchester United were bad. I've done a piece on that, actually, if you want to. Oh, yeah. No, right. kind of get, yeah. Rather than just reproducing what you've written down, mm. we'll, we'll send people to the website for that. Um, we also mentioned earlier on that the, the lack of title races, meaningful title races across Europe, means that the World Cup might be of better quality. Was there anything else that in, in the now dead podcast from this morning <laughs> that uh, you'd like to resurface? Um, that was a long time ago. Ben? George Osborne walked past us in the middle. George, yeah, George Osborne interrupted us. Mm. Uh, I think, yeah, well, I mean, I'm sure we will preview the Champions League quarterfinals coming up. Mm. But I think semi-finals. It, semi-finals, yes. sorry. Um, but I think that they're going to be... That's next month. They're going to be huge games. But if you look at the protagonists in those four, the four protagonists in those four games, yeah, they're all just going to be fully focused on that because the league, either in Bayern's case, it's all sewn up. Yeah. Or in Real Madrid and Liverpool and Roma's it. case, they've already blown it. I think that does tee them up as the basically there's going to be five games after the season, effectively, across Europe almost, bar Portugal, where there was a significant result last night. 
top five, six, seven leagues in Europe are already done and dusted. Mm. We I'm should suggest Arsenal Atletico. I think Arsenal Atletico sure. is a great tie. Um, I think I think Atletico will win it. It could really expose. Easy. I think it could really expose Wenger. Um, okay, actually, one thing I want to bring back. Go on. It's slightly worrying for European football that in the last three weeks we've seen not just Paris Saint-Germain and Bayern east of the leagues, they have absolutely demolished the last club to win it. Yeah, PSG 7-1 win over Monaco. That is, that is... Without name, that is Mark, obviously. Completely, the whole thing's just so hollow, isn't it? It's like mm. Unai Emery's going anyway. Yeah. You know, th- their season ended in, in what they would call as a disgrace when they got brought up the Champions yeah. League. Um, that's a, it's a PSG season is still a failure. <laughs> this FFP situation is ongoing. It was mm. it, uh, the, the Financial Times reported the other day. Um, that they they're under investigation and they might, they're believed to have overstated. I think they, it was the quote overstated the value of sponsorship deals, which is what City were found to have done mm-hmm. uh, a couple of years ago when they failed the FFP tests. So I'd be interested to see what they do with PSG because I think there's a lot of appetite from other clubs for PSG to feel pain. I think in, in every possible sense. Um, but otherwise, anything else, Ben, from you from the, the championship? promotion picture League One where there's a three boy race League One is looking like it's going to be a very uh, very tight race right to the end um, Shrewsbury Town Blackburn Rovers and Wigan are right neck and neck and it seems it seems like it's going to go right to the wire who's got the running easiest running um, Blackburn are looking quite good Wigan have got some favourable fixtures but game in hand. with games in hand but because of their FA Cup exploits they're playing every four days until the end of the season so it's going to be tight. I mean, Shrewsbury have done an incredibly good job, and to even be in the mix is remarkable with the yeah. two big spenders of the division. I kind of, I kind of want them to go up automatically because they feel like a team that because they've overachieved so much. That if they go, if they end up in the playoffs, and I miss mean, out, if, yeah, you do feel like anybody who, I mean, notoriously the team who finishes third in a two-horse race, yeah, yeah. it is tough to get up from there. So it would be a hammer blow for any of the three, really. But you do think that Shrewsbury are perhaps the least well-equipped to winning two-legged ties, whereas Blackburn and Wigan have got the squad depth to perhaps prevail, but you never know, it's going to go down to the wire. And in the Championship, obviously, Wolves went up over the weekend without it playing, mm. and I'm sure the ins and outs and the vagaries of what's going on there... Will we'll get. have a long Wolves conversation in the summer. There's going to be a lot of that, I think, but I think you do have to give them credit for particularly what it was. Nuno has been given these players from yeah. various places... But you still have to put it all together, and it is notoriously difficult league to get out of, regardless of what players you've got. Not and to do it with five games to spare or whatever it is 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 a remarkable job. Yeah, as long as you know, as long as they, as long as the people in charge make interests that are in the best, so make, make decisions that are in the best interest of the club going forward and long term. I don't think anyone can have a problem with it. it. It's just when, and we've seen it. Nuno's seen it himself at Valencia. You know, sometimes that isn't the way it goes, and, and that's. That's the concern that football fans should have about Wolves. Not, oh, they're coming in and spending all this money because, you know, whatever. Like, uh, we've seen so many teams do it, and it's not a guaranteed path to success, spending money. Like Portsmouth, mm-hmm. you know, we've, seen it, we've seen it everywhere. It's when clubs are owned by companies or, or people with, with interests elsewhere, uh, as we saw this with Valencia, and the people that end up getting hurt are the, the clubs themselves and the fans mm-hmm. because, you know, you want to believe that everything is is being done in the right way and, and sometimes they're not so uh, Wolves will be in the Premier League next year joining them likely to be Cardiff producer Matt you've been at, at Fulham a lot uh, you think Fulham are going to go up this season? I 
do think they're going to go up. If they get into the playoff battle, the way they've been playing, the football they've been playing, um, the likes of Mitrovic has added to them massively and, and Matt Target, a left-back. Premier League experience. Um, they've been very consistent. Uh, you know, it's not like they've, they've basically just been a pretty consistent winning machine and they've been playing good football. You know, it's, it's the whole process is there. It's not just a team that's just found a bit of form. This is a, this is a doing it exactly how Jukanovic wants it and they're getting the results that they deserve, right? right? Yeah. I'm not and sure what the unbeaten run is now, but it's a... 21 games. 21, 21 games. games, so it's a, that's, not a, that's not a blip or a fluke. Mill surging into the picture, though. Um, would be an interesting promotion uh, for a number of reasons. Uh, first ever Premier League season for them um, would be handy for me, logistically. Uh, but also, you know, a team on such a small budget, Neil Harris is a manager who only really got that job because he's a club favourite, but doing a great job. Yeah, I'm going to see the two of them against each other on Friday, and uh, that should be interesting because they both are on a good run as well, Millwall particularly at home because they're unbeaten since, I think, November the 8th, and they they have quite an atmosphere when you go there. They're just yeah. well, intimidating. I hate that ground. It's just a little... It's like, it's like, like a Meccano set. Yeah, it's like it's got Sa- the safest, safest away ground in the country. It is the safest away ground <laughs> in the country as well, uh, contrary to what people believe. It's just for me. Uh, yeah, it's loud. I've been, I've, I've covered quite a few Millwall games. It's it's loud, but the stadium is soulless as a, as an actual stadium because I'm a bit of a stadium geek, and it's just it's, it's you know flat pack almost. Mm. Um, it, it, it's amazing that they're even in this picture, and I, and I think if they get into the playoffs, obviously anything anything can happen, but. Yeah. Them or Fulham would be interesting to go up, I think, because Fulham play some really good stuff, and I think if they got promoted, uh, they've got money uh, through the Khan family. And a manager who's proven he can do it. He's, yeah, he's, he's, dealt, kind of it got he's been dealt some promoted. poor hands at times over yeah. the last few seasons, and he's come back every single time, and he's doing a great job again at Fulham. The thing is, with, with Millwall, they've they've just kept the same team and just kept the same formation, and they've just kept it going. It's it's like your typical hoof, hoof the long ball, Morrison heads it down. Steve Morrison, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, and just somehow they managed to get something out of it. And they, they would probably stick with that in the Premier League, which would be incredible to see Steve Morrison. Uh, Mill would have to follow, I guess, the Burnley model, because there's, I mean, there's no point coming up and trying to spend £10 million on players if you're Millwall, because it's the whole thing will be so completely out of kilter. Um, Matt, thank you for your Championship talk. Ben, thank you for your League One talk. Thank you for your Premier League talk. No um, Miguel, um, I've been silenced. you've been silenced uh, because you were just sitting there texting the whole time. Uh, uh, thank you for joining us for the second version of uh, today's podcast. Uh, thank you, Ben. Uh, thank you, no everyone. Uh, yeah, uh, rate, subscribe, and review the podcast as usual. Um, if you're not already following us on Instagram, you want to get on that. That's Independent Sport. Loads of great behind-the-scenes stuff from the guys recently. So uh, without further ado, uh, thank you for joining us. We'll see you next week for the big Champions League semi-final preview.